0: Hello, Internet, and welcome to another issue of Planetary from your co-hosts at Never Stay Dead. I'm co-host number five, Matt. (laughs) (laughs) And
1: I am co-host infinity minus one, Damien.
0: That's complicated math right there. Yes, you can stop and think about that and today we're going to be covering issues two and three of planetary if you haven't more so than usual i'd recommend going back an episode and checking out episode one where we only talk about issue one but in establishing planetary there was a fair amount to cover right right and we don't
1: know for sure but we'll probably continue on with two issues an episode maybe we'll try three at some point if it feels right yeah we'll do what fits for an episode as we go but yeah DVD. so this continues our experiment of trying something issue by issue basically uh an experiment I'm so far enjoying a lot I really yeah. enjoyed reading both these issues and I what issue? I've kind of blanked my mind and I don't I only remember a few details of where all this is going so it's almost like reading it the first
0: time. I I've read a I read a healthy chunk of planetary years ago before it had ended because right. the ending was so delayed and reading it again. I had very little, like I have a few specific memories, but very few. So this is really fresh and really exciting. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, so issue two features <laughs> an island called island zero which Mm -hmm. is covered or scattered about it is the corpses of giant kaiju monsters one that looks like mothra one that looks like a starved godzilla and the issue starts with us following a a group a small band of I don't know. I think a Japanese author and his, his students perhaps, or no, his members of his cult basically. And that's um, what I got. Yeah. Yeah. And they don't know that the Kaiju are there. They're there to cleanse themselves spiritually before they take over the Japanese government with the sarin gas and guns. And in theory, make themselves over into an emperor into or make their leader over into an emperor. He calls himself the master storyteller, and he looks a lot like the famous, well, maybe I shouldn't be, maybe I should quickly go over the whole plot, but he looks a lot like the famous Japanese author,
0: uh, Yukio Mishima. You know, because we're doing the whole issue, I say go for your connection, and then we'll talk about the plot as this unravels.
1: Well, i just wanted i guess everyone most people will have read the the comic before listening but i just wanted to i kind of like a quick overview when i'm listening to things before i hear the details Um, so basically uh they discover the giant monsters and then the the crazy cult leader wants his followers to eat the rotting flesh of the monsters and um he has one of his followers who who balks at (laughs) eating stuff like that, and has has been a little bit more the doubting Thomas than the rest of the followers. And uh, that Mm -hmm. fellow gets ends up getting shot. And on a parallel plot, we follow our three planetary adventurers, who've been called into the Japan office, the Japan planetary office, and um, kind of get briefed on island zero. And then they quickly take a flight over to island zero, to for some reason, stop these people from seeing the dead monsters on the island because no one's supposed to know about them but they arrive too late the uh the cult is confronted by by some small contingent of japanese guards who are guarding the island and uh they use sarin gas to kill themselves and the guards (laughs) and and then the our heroes our titular heroes arrive and uh can't save the day or anything, and they just say, "Let's kind of clean things up before the next set of guards comes over and at the very end of the story, they see a giant monster fly overhead, um and so the monsters are coming back, so maybe you were right, maybe we should have just gone blow by blow through that but <laughs> there we are. I already blew it um so this fellow, the leader who calls himself the master storyteller and uh. His real name is Ryu. He looks like an older version of Yukio Mishima, the um, very famous uh, and kind of strange author from Japan who was kind of I don't I kind of think of him as maybe a bit like Japan Japan's Ernest Hemingway in the post-war era. I th- I, from what I've read, he became famous very young. Uh, when i was young i read some of his novels they were they were interesting but i don't know if i really understood them very well at the time and he became obsessed with kind of the samurai code or whatever it's properly called and physical fitness later in his life and developed this sort of uber conservative point of view about how the emperor should take control of Japan and return to the kind of empire of Japan of the old days. And he tried to foment an uprising with the military, which did not work. And when the when that did not work, he committed uh, public, I can't pronounce it right, seppuku? Suicide, seppuku. ritual yeah. suicide with a sword
0: and killed himself. It's a little, it's a little sword. Ah, and exactly technically right. you need someone else with you because you can't actually fully disembowel yourself because uh, i think he did have rain. other people with him the other members of his little yeah. re-
1: rebellion group so i was quite surprised i do remember this from the first time i was read. quite surprised to read this and realize that they were combining this crazy author <laughs> with the story of <laughs> of monster island from the uh, godzilla movies and others
0: yeah, no, it's great. And just to go off that for a second, this is why I wish works like Planetary had a true and academic kind of annotation yes. put to it. And unlike how DC has published annotations in the past, I would like, a, I'd prefer a more traditional annotation, which actually would just be a separate book for like the entire Planetary series, where it, especially with comics it would be so easy, you know, like... Right issue two page three panel yeah, four right, exactly here's the little right. note that you, you could need. just make
1: a small paperback book of it or something
0: right and I, I think that would be brilliant for a few reasons a it could help people access the comic and understand different things and possibly if Alice was to go through and kind of show those annotations it would give a, a more you know authorial look behind the series in a way, not that you'd get every note because you wouldn't be getting the script, but some of those ideas, but also that connection you made is something that is completely foreign to me. I had never heard of this guy before, so there's no way for me to make that connection, but I'm interested to learn more, but I need that nugget. I need that connection in order to do more to read more to learn more from the comic right and
1: it's almost like it's wasted that this stuff is in there but you can't easily access it
0: right it reminds me of in a way my dad when i didn't know how to spell a word he said go look it up in the dictionary and i just give him this look like i can't (laughs) and so much has changed now if you don't know how to spell a word you can get there a lot more easily you can shout it at your phone it will bring it up for you and you can learn but um it's a kind of connection of you need a certain amount of education and knowledge to then grow that knowledge and sometimes that connection has to come from a source and it would just be so lovely especially for planetary more than any other comic i can think of to have this kind of a resource
1: right and even like I guess I could do more research on the on the kaiju. I know there was like a three headed flying creature in some of the Godzilla movies I saw as a kid, but I can't remember his name. But here's the skeleton of him half buried in a muddy slope, I guess.
0: what Toho, Godzilla kaiju in here specifically, although they kind of embody the genre. So, right.
1: And it's a intriguing but hard to complete like there's a lot of different ways you can interpret combining a uh, Japanese terrorist group, the Kaiju monsters, which seem to be usually a, a nuclear fear kind of metaphor for the most part, right. Um, although I'm sure the metaphors of
0: of giant monsters spread out into a lot of different areas. Well, I mean, the metaphor is so established with the original Godzilla. And then yeah. when you move forward, those movies lose their literary intentions. <laughs> and uh, yeah.
1: Well, there's something inherently cool about
0: just giant monsters. Yeah. And I mean, the last Which... 10 minutes of those movies are fun, but the rest yeah. of it.
1: Yeah. You almost want just someone to edit, maybe someone has, just edit all the good monster fights from all those movies into one movie yeah but it's an amazing double page spread here where um you know we find the giant the giant mothra. body of mothra i mean they don't call it mothra but i'm calling it mothra <laughs> um and that sense of perspective you know where humans are suddenly small that's an interesting sort of science fiction or science experience experience you know where nature kind of the the giant monsters kind of exaggerate that feeling we have sometimes when we face some huge thing in nature, things along those lines. And and it should be said the the kaiju the the sort of rotting decrepit kaiju's are lovingly drawn by um, suddenly blanking on John John Cassidy the artist does such a fabulous job. And this issue seems like, I enjoyed the art in the first issue, but this issue, the
0: art seems to go up a notch. Yeah, I think we've seen Cassidy a little early, and we're seeing him here, you know, watching him grow very quickly as he's... And
1: maybe he's getting more excited about this project and putting more more of himself into it.
0: Yeah. And the uh,
1: coloring is great, too, um, for 19... 1999 coloring very nice so it's one thing I found with reading this issue and rereading it is there's a lot of um, unfinished business right there's a lot of little yeah. clues about things um, which is part of I guess along with sort of the odd juxtaposition of the terrorists and the um, and the monsters there's also just a lot of other little things Things thrown out there that maybe we should think
0: about later, or maybe we don't need to think about later. I'm not quite sure. Well, and I think a lot of that what you're talking about actually happens earlier in the comic when we're in the Tokyo planetary office, right? And they have a representative there. Um, I don't even know if I can say his name, Shiya S H Shinya Fukuda. All
1: right,
0: Shinya Fukuda,
1: chief. Of the Japanese planetary station,
0: and he doesn't like drummer, which seems to be a common right thought there. But um, the way he talks about it is, um, I think, says a lot about planetary and its mysterious kind of leanings. Because here's this kind of like trope hacker character, but he doesn't know much about the organization he works for either. But he knows all about. These kinds of issues going on that are supposed to be kind of hush hush,
1: right? Somehow, yeah. Somehow, planetary. Not only in this issue, not only is planetary know all these all this secret information, but they are somehow part of the cover up of this island, keeping mm-hmm. keeping it away from the public. And that's not quite explained. And uh, well, I'm trying to find it. There's a moment. Fukuda says, the new guy, I'm pleased to meet you. Pleased to meet you, talking about Winter. Um, mm-hmm. And Winter says, I don't feel like a new guy. And he says, you don't much look like one either. But it, it sort of hints that there's something more to the whole story about Winter. I mean, we know that he's lived nearly 100 years. And then very shortly afterwards, we learned that he's known how to speak Japanese fluently since 1925. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we get a, a repetition of the
0: idea that whenever he walks into the
1: room, the room turns cold.
0: Well, he, the room doesn't turn cold until this guy calls him old, which oh, really? again shows an emotional reaction. And him right.
1: Of, Did it just get colder in here? Right. I hadn't made that connection at all. That's very good. So when he's annoyed, he can make the room colder.
0: Which makes it seem like an involuntary <laughs> response also.
1: Right, and we do see him later in the story uh, use his cold to to make the uh, sarin gas kind of freeze and fall to the ground. Heat subtraction, I'm impressed, says
0: Jakita to him. Right, after freaking out about the gas, which is really interesting because, I mean, we're only two issues in, but right. this is the only time she's been shown to lose her cool. Right, because Ironically. she,
1: in fact, we we see in this that she has supervision. She can see a mile away what stuff that Winter can't see.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: All I see is a green blob in the distance. We have to be a mile away from it where she said she's seen one guy waving around a gun. Um, and then she runs at super speed. And I think we've already seen that she has some kind of super strength, right? Yeah.
0: So she's <clears throat> basically a Captain America type super. Right.
1: But she can't yeah she's she's not invulnerable because she's very scared of the uh, sarin gas. I would gas be too. She, and you know, only because maybe I noticed uh, or noticed that the the cult leader looked like this famous author, I then noticed um, Fukuda, where is it he uh, He refers to the group that's gone to the island saying a mild, mildly infamous Japanese novelist and five acolytes they have that yukio mishima i am shin smell about them Ayam am shim riko was a was the group who famously uh, released sarin gas in the japanese subway oh um, and i knew i just knew one i just remembered a long time ago sarin I, that was 1995 i looked it up and this is 99 i, to... um, I remember it in the news but i ne- I, I did not retain any details but so I looked it up tonight and uh, that was a cult led by a blind uh, cult leader, a blind religious leader who declared himself to be both Christ and the Buddha. And mm-hmm. part of the plan of releasing the Saren was to make him the new emperor of Japan. So his was a, actually a much nastier cult than uh than the Mishima's cult in the sense that all the Mishima wanted to do was return the emperor to his power. <laughs> but this guy wanted to be Christ and to be the emperor, kind of a God emperor, I guess. Yeah. I... So I, I think Warren Ellis loves just mixing all this <clears throat> stuff together. And I'm not yeah, sure but you can also
0: see plays. cultural ties. And so he's mixing right. stuff that has some sort of, tapestry that's pulling from the same place It's kind of like
1: two kinds of apocalypse i suppose there's the apocalypse of really crazy terrorists who think they're going to become a god emperor and the apocalypse of giant monsters
0: well and what's also interesting there is um not just the apocalypse angle but like the the idea of rebirth with it as well because at the end you have all these you have all this death but at the end it's that um one i mean it just looks like a dinosaur more than a kaiju but there's kind of like this majesty and beauty in that one bit and it's the one time we've kind of seen janika smile and it's yeah it's something pretty miraculous right you know winter
1: says i thought you said they died off and chiquita says i did isn't that great and she's just smiling and it kind of reminds me of the opening the ending of the first issue they were kind of looking over the mountaintop i forgot what they were saying but they were it's like he um uh, in the end of the first issue they were looking over the landscape a kind of a similar mountaintop to what we're seeing here with this time the the monster flying over it and and uh, winter said it's a strange world and jakita said let's keep it that way it's mm-hmm. like On one level, we're just enjoying these mysterious wonders and because there's no closure to this story and there really was no closure to issue one either. Um, I do think a lot of things come back. I know elements of issue one, definitely. I, I have enough memory of remembering that stuff comes back. But at this point, it's almost like we're being tossed out lots of fascinating story fragments which I seem to love. I seem to love all these semi-connected pieces.
0: Well, the other thing is this issue in particular is at a breakneck pace. Like every frame, every page has stuff going on and it moves and it reads a lot more like an older comic in that respect. But it's not an older comic in practice as well. It's a very interesting alchemy of comic right. creation.
1: I mean, unlike an older comic, the heroes don't save the day. They in fact, they aren't the prime movers of the action. The action happens and they almost just observe it and mm-hmm. come in to clean up afterwards. Yeah. But but you're that's a very good insight because I wasn't thinking about how this follows the old dictum of plunge you right in the middle of the action to
0: start the comic. But not quite in medias res either. Like it's just fast Right. The other you know, characters we... are introduced,
1: and most of whom are killed off by the end of the issue. I don't know if we'll ever see the Fukuda, who heads the uh, Japanese office again. I can't remember that either. Um, and we're also just we're also peeling away some layers of planetary. Mm-hmm. Like this is the first time we learn that they have offices in every city, big city in the world, or seemingly. Um, which judging by the next issue might become kind of a regular thing,
0: but it the reach, but it also establishes. Yeah, it's a really good move. And I I was going to say the other element we haven't really talked about is the cover. Keeping in mind that this is the second issue, none of our protagonists are on the cover. It's right. These guys and this giant dinosaur skeleton chasing it very compelling but very uh not how anybody else would be doing a cover and it doesn't look at all like the cover of the first issue right a different
1: logo and uh, i'm guessing Mm -hmm. that this logo reads planetary in japanese
0: sure and
1: um and it kind of looks like it's a japanese movie poster that then for the american audience they just sort of rather than removing the japanese text they just wrote English text over over it. So we see which is how a lot of that's done. Japanese text and then over it it says action, terror, fun. <laughs> and then we see a word balloon. And underneath it says that the word balloon is saying, I think we shall run. <laughs> and of course, this is not even a scene from inside, which also makes me think of those kind of you know, cheaply imported movies where you get they have a painting like B movies where they have painting of something that looks really fantastic. And that scene isn't really in the movie, right? Because there's no skeleton chasing people through explosions.
0: (laughs) But even though that's not in the comic, it informs the comic in a very unique way. And it's
1: exactly it puts you in the mood for the comic book in the first place. Yeah you're you're in the world of a of a translated movie already
0: yeah it's not just your well titular main characters posing on the cover yeah. again which is what the first issue was
1: right it had the three main characters posing on the cover and i think somewhere in here it's revealed to us that Chiquita, and probably drummer didn't know about Winter's powers and abilities so everybody's a mystery to everyone else in a sense everyone has these layers you're telling me your precious fourth man didn't know about me says winter oh i'm sure he did says Chiquita. they just didn't tell us don't tell it didn't tell us okay i've seen now tell and then she goes into it i'm sorry that this was what interested me she goes into various theories as to why these monsters exist, whether it's because of nuclear explosions, or doorways to other universes that have been opened, um, or a mutagen, a doorway open from parallel Earths or extraterrestrials that impacted here. So they don't know. But five years after the atomic bomb, this island was occupied with monsters. Um, and then they died off in the mid-70s. And I don't know if that's a cultural reference. Had um, maybe the uh, the monster movie genre died off for a while. I mean, obviously, it's big and back now. But
0: I mean, there's kind of always been Godzilla movies, but when they were most popular or whatnot, I couldn't tell you.
1: Yeah, probably the 60s and 70s. There were a lot of them, and then it it, it died back for a while. And then I, I had a big comeback, probably in the
0: 90s already. Well, I mean, they were always to them. Um, I mean, there's more Godzilla movies than any other film franchise of all time. So, well, then maybe that's
1: just the seventies thing is not a reference to the movies.
0: Well, it might be to relative popularity, right? Though, I think, shall we look at
1: issue three? And if we think of any more thoughts, we can always come back to issue two.
0: Sure. Sure. So, Maybe we should start with the cover this time. Yeah, issue two does.
1: Yeah, that's a good idea. Issue two has a very distinctive, and yet a completely different cover, with the very small, plain-looking logo that's of the same size as the names of the creators, and it's it's framed. It's like a um, what do you call it? When you have an old-fashioned TV and it's letterboxed, it's like a letterboxed picture.
0: Can you tip it? cuz my comic I don't know if you will see it. I mean here um you can barely see it but there's the other planetary logo like in black against the black. Oh yeah, I didn't even notice that. Holy cow. Yeah.
1: I don't I don't know if it'll come across on the camera but yeah, it's just barely visible here. like black on black. Yeah. Wow, that's really cool. You have much better eyes than I do. Well, I might
0: just have better lighting in here. <laughs> And and in the
1: picture, we're seeing someone kind of leaping over a car and shooting off both guns at the same time as he's leaping, which I don't know if I immediately put it together, but it it brings up images of Do- John Woo movies in my head, um, mm-hmm. except that I don't remember any John Woo movies with ghosts. But other than that,
0: well, and there's no doves,
1: no doves, right? <laughs> I forgot about the doves in John Woo movies. It-
0: I'm really curious, because when I open the trade, um, the first thing I see is an ad for a She-3. No, okay. So my guess is this was an ad that was run that you were supposed to have probably seen somewhere. Huh. I don't but think it... my trade has it. Yeah, so it, it's very in a Hong Kong movie there's a legend in Hong Kong about a murdered cop back for revenge. Planetary discovers the legend is true. Planetary 3.
1: Interesting. In the back of issue 2 we see um spectral policemen and thundering guns, hundreds of bullets and buckets of blood on the streets of Hong Kong, the cop who returned from death to bring righteous justice and vengeance to the streets was thought of as just another urban myth. Planetary finds out otherwise. Dead gunfighters coming soon from Ellis Cassidy and Dupay.
0: Well, in issue three, already this one is very much like a Hong Kong movie, and relatively for most any comics I've ever read outside of a Daily Away comic, very light on dialogue overall yes very little reading it's very action oriented very heavy on the imagery and the fact that ellis trusted cassiday here with that level of this is Mm -hmm. like this is a gamble
1: maybe trust is the right word maybe they are now working together you know ellis i mean yeah ellis can see what cassiday can do and What he makes of his scripts i don't know this remind modern ellis is a a lot of you know more recent ellis that i've read is like this with a very minimal dialogue what struck me for the first few pages is everything is in a widescreen shot Mm -hmm. like we're in a movie um on the big you know ultra widescreen movie screen and then so every single page, page after page, it's these four widescreen panels until, well, I'm trying to find it because there's a lot of pages,
0: mm-hmm.
1: until Planetary shows up right here. Um, and the other and suddenly difference- suddenly it's a vertical panel and the coloring is different.
0: Right, the sorry, black what you're background. what you saying, and? The black background yeah. was also a big part of that feel. And then Planetary shows up and it's suddenly a white background. And it's really funny. Because if you look at the trade from the top, you can see a little section that's just all black. It's set apart from everything else. It, it stand out.
1: Yeah, I think I think that was in my... Um, yeah, it, it kind of stands out in my comic too. So the, the whole action sequence is very intense and very well sort of... The cinematographer was doing a very good job here. Sorry, what were you going to say?
0: Uh, well, I was going to say, I, I've taken, especially as I've done a number of Ninja Turtle threads recently, I've been taking a closer look at more of the action in comics, the actual fights, because so much of what we read, superheroes, you know, action adventure stuff, whatever, mm-hmm. it's very action heavy, but comic books aren't usually the best medium to actually display a fight in because a fights all about motion. And that's the one thing comics don't actually convey in minute proportions. And so when it's done well, I think it really stands out and there's something about it here. That was very compelling. I think a lot of it's due to the coloring.
1: I agree. Although I have to say in the original comic, the coloring was very dark. The paper couldn't quite handle it, so it looks much better in my trade, better in the digital version. But yes, the coloring is very intense and adds to that sort of—I don't know—that impact of the action and like the the way she colors uh, the dead dead woman. It's never explained. I guess they just they killed her because they like to kill whores. They're saying. Um, but it might have been might have been one of the women of of one of their crime enemies. I, I wasn't totally clear on all the crime stuff that was going on.
0: Look, they, they killed a woman and that's bad, and this ghost yes. is here for revenge. I think that's the important part. But no, it's it's good to question those sorts of details. And i it's I don't know if it's stronger that we don't necessarily get every detail here because we're able to kind of fill in most of the gap, but I still like right. It's kind Question. of like we're
1: seeing a highlight from a movie in a sense. Yeah, we don't know the whole story. And that's part of the point, I think, cuz we're we do fill in some of the story with in conversation with the ghost towards the end
0: of the book. It it's funny too cuz the action in uh, that panel right there where the ghost is doing this thing with double pistols in right. the cross hands, right? Yeah, and then and then cross hands reminds me of an exact sequence in this old taskmaster mini taskmaster has two guys train pistols on him, and he says hey guess what i watched last night and they're like what a chung yo fat marathon just like flips on him and does basically that maneuver and it's very much (laughs) in that hong kong action vein and here it is portrayed in another comic it just Uh was a weird connection i wonder who i
1: mean obviously chow young fat and uh john woo did it first but wonder who first
0: brought it to comics.
1: <laughs> oh, I mean, is the this taskmaster creates... older than this?
0: It's not older than this, but it's not far off either. Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: Well, and it, it makes sense that taskmaster who uh, he would pick up things from movies. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, this mini wrote taskmaster differently than he's been written in anything else except for um, the Deadpool issues that it was connected to. Uh, it's when he has the Udon blue hoodie look. Uh, it's right. almost a different character, uh, but that's a different thing.
1: You almost forget you're, you're reading a planetary comic. You just feel like you're reading this crime comic and, it's, well, and, that, and, it, and my brain is going, wait a minute, it's a ghost and he can, cars go through him, but his guns shoot bullets that kill people. And I guess they're yep. kind of magical flame bullets
0: yeah this has vengeance ghost written all over it right. very evocative of ghost lore but using the tools of yeah this idea i guess he's, he's
1: he's a I mean he's a a um hong kong action hero but he's also like ghost rider and the specter and other people like that yeah vengeance from beyond oh, yeah. yeah there's we're looking at this great panel where <laughs> The burning, ghostly burning bullet goes right through the guy's head from ear to ear. And his whole face kind of explodes in flames.
0: And the, the only dialogue on that page. Oh, no. Oh, no.
1: <laughs> oh, and the bullet makes a a, uh, a right angle turn to get, to get him.
0: Right through his head. So there's
1: a certain sort of anything goes feel to this wild ghost story. I would like to see the whole movie.
0: Well, and what's also really cool with this in connection with the last issue is what makes planetary so exciting is the stories issue by issue are compelling on their own right and yeah we want to know the mystery and what's going on with planetary but that's usually taking a back seat that's usually the b story and so that's what's connecting us but each issue kind of stands on its own merit and so it's incredible world building and it's just master storytelling through and through right as we build the larger narrative and it's an right. old formula but it works and but less people the use newer than kind think.
1: of finesse i feel like, like
0: yeah we, i
1: mean we have i mean there's this coolness to every story being at least one different genre if not two genres mashed together like in issue two Um, and this might even be a mashing of genres if there is, it's hard for me to know for sure, if there is kind of a a mashing of the Hong Kong gun opera (laughs) kind of movie with with these supernatural kind of stories that we're more familiar with in comics. But then I love when they like my whole idea that part of part of the story is our three main quote main characters, um, who aren't the center of any given issue, or so it's beginning to seem. Uh, are kind of like tourists who think all this is kind of cool because winter says i'll be damned all that weekly world news crap the local office sent us all the gibberish about the phantom cop of hong kong and then Jakita says did you see that that was incredible and the drummer says real life ghosty cool
0: and i'm starting to think
1: the drummer's british to say ghosty and not ghost but who knows
0: (laughs) This is the second time you've brought it up where I feel like maybe Ellis has kind of let some Britishisms kind yeah. of like slip in, Well, point. I
1: have this not very rational personal obsession with a, a, an annoyance at brit of uh, the Brit authors who think they know they what America's all about and uh. <laughs> Neil Gaiman wrote American Gods. uh, You know, Warren Ellis and, and whoa, Alan whoa, whoa, Moore. Whoa, whoa.
0: What's your what's your beef with American Gods? I don't know.
1: I didn't think it was that American.
0: <laughs> it's primarily dealing with... Ultimately,
1: it was focused on Norse gods. The American gods were kind of off to the side. But anyway, I, I'm, not saying, I'm not brain. saying any of this stuff is bad, but Alan Moore named... His own comic book line, America's Best Comics, and so I just <laughs> had this never beef that. with the Brits thinking they're experts on
0: America. I I never connected that, and now I just see it as the snide. Oh, that's see, I was too dumb an American to get it. And uh,
1: longtime listeners to this podcast will remember when we um, when we were doing Trans Metropolitan, which was also by Warren Ellis. Mm-hmm. And and there was a moment where they were in a slum, and I was saying, that doesn't look like a slum in America. That looks like a slum in England. Everyone was white. And uh, I mean, <laughs> I'm not trying to make a statement that there are poor sl- uh, white slums in America, but if you are thinking of slums in America, there's going to be a lot of different racial types in there. And uh, that's just another example. But I'm just, I I I overly... I'm overly sensitive or have this radar out to the Brits whenever they're thinking they're being American and they're not.
0: Well, I, I'm glad you're defending our
1: <laughs> our honor. It's not even a matter of honor. I'm not sure. I imagine, though, if most uh, comics by Americans were set in England, the Brits would be constantly noticing that it sounds off or what have you. In fact, I, some Brit was complaining to me about when Chris Claremont was doing Excalibur and set in England and didn't really know what he was doing, even though Chris Claremont
0: <laughs> likes to brag how he's really British. So
1: all of that is neither here nor there.
0: No, that was all fascinating. I, I loved every second of that. <laughs> I'd love I've, to hear I have a of- chip
1: on my shoulder against,
0: you know, because we live in America and
1: that's like where stories are set so much, um other other countries don't have to deal with you know all these interpretations of people who think they know all about uh, i mean i'm sure warren ellis and neil gaiman in particular spent a lot of time in the u.s but there's some people who think they know all about our country because they've watched tv and movies that's pretty much how i've done it (laughs) (laughs) well i'm glad at least once in your life you got to come to portland oregon and see a different
0: different side of things than the tv and movie side (laughs) yeah uh well it's funny too because so many shows are shot in vancouver um yes so to the u.s yes I
1: oh you where know so we? on that note we did get our revenge <laughs> with my daughter we were watching this kids show that took place in london and we suddenly realized they were using parts of portland oregon as london which is totally unconvincing
0: <laughs> that's very weird
1: it's very weird <laughs> So, anyway, here we are back in the story. We're at, we now are at the Hong Kong office, um, mm-hmm. where the person who runs the Hong Kong office says, I can't believe you're actually here. I've been in this office six years and the field team has never been here. And the uh, Jakita questions her six years. And she says, never. Sure, I was 16 when I started here six, six years ago. So, so she's 23. I don't know. That's an odd detail. I don't know if that will ever mean anything. But that she started working there at age 16.
0: Well, it's I think it's to validate that she's not rounding or making some weird <clears> mistake. <throat> it's more like convincing Chiquita, because the fact that it's six years, that's the longest any of them have heard anyone admit working for planetary normally is what four years, right? And so It's again, that mystery that they're all keeping from themselves. They barely know anything about the organization. How long it's been around is even a question. Yeah. It's an odd thing that they're all working
1: for it without really knowing what they're doing.
0: Yeah. Though I guess the money's good enough.
1: Oh, in the next panel, drummer says again, you're genuine ghosty ooga booga. Another popular American phrase.
0: Well, there's two things a the drummer's supposed to be psychotic or crazy or whatever, which causes you to speak in a more British way, yes, and nobody likes it, yes, and I think this is part of the reason why
1: <laughs> <laughs> i you know I don't I think one of the least successful things is is drummer being portrayed as this sort of annoying, possibly slightly crazy guy mm. Mm-hmm. maybe it's the way he's drawn but he looks kind of like a cool hollywood actor
0: i think the drummer is interesting in that he's very similar to the uh doctor from the authority in a lot of ways and so in in a lot of ways snow is very similar to jenny sparks and so like clearly Ellis had these ideas rotating his head that he really wanted to play with, but they were just a little too similar. And mm-hmm. so to differentiate them, they took on some odd characteristics. And I don't think all yeah. of them are successful.
1: <laughs> yeah. But maybe the maybe the drummer's portrayal will will become richer later. I think it at the does. moment I'm more i'm more believing more in the characters of winter and jaquita if i'm saying her name right
0: right my favorite detail from all that exchange was uh snow looking over the crowd damn noise you know what i liked bluegrass bluegrass was fun it's just so (laughs) incongruous with everything else but really there's like a disco
1: across the street or something
0: yeah or edm who knows it says disco there Oh well, yeah, yeah. there you go. I don't know if
1: that's the thing across the street. Actually,
0: do they always play disco at a disco, though? No,
1: yeah. <laughs> that's a good point. And who BJ's knows, all in, night you know, every in night. Hong Kong if it's something says disco, what it means? Because I haven't been to Hong Kong. Neither have I. <laughs> but you've been to Japan, so you should have been an expert on the last issue, but you weren't. Um, <laughs> <I>
0: just, so, <laughs>
1: um so a a lot of the gist of the conversation is that uh, this young girl thought the whole cop story was an urban myth Mm -hmm. um but anyway they they saw it right away as soon as they arrived in hong kong and Mm -hmm. then they with the help of drummer's ability to somehow tap into technology but also other things Mm -hmm. they uh tracked down Mm -hmm track him track him down again but before he shows up drummer tells Jakita to to stomp on the ground yeah and that causes some kind of um i don't know
0: ripple some kind
1: of ripple effect of electricity or something and then drummer can sense something down below this is old information it's a machine but i can't make out what kind of ah and then uh he says maybe we should stand back a minute and then this giant thing structure comes out of the um comes out of the ground i think it's a ghost structure i don't know if it's supposed to be like literally there on a total physical
0: plane and and drummer doing this to get to my earlier point again is very reminiscent of jack hawksmore again from Uh the authority right
1: jack hawksmore who can communicate with cities. Right. Yes, very much so. Was Jack Hawksmore uh, created by the original image creator? Was that um image creator? Was it was he created oh. by by uh, Jim Lee or was he or one of those other early image creators or was he created by uh Warren Ellis? I thought it was Ellis. I'm going to look it up real quick because okay so on on the building is this pattern which i took to be like a bunch of flowers at first but then if you look closer at it um the pattern is actually a bunch of human bodies sort of all each one sort of in a tumbling position all in different angles tumbling around as a decoration seemingly on it on the on the building but it also brings back slightly reminiscent of the snowflake pattern that they found in the first issue, which was some kind of multidimensional computer.
0: So would you call this a buttress?
1: Uh, A buttress is something that holds up another building?
0: Well, it's also just a bunch of butts and looks like Uh, a... And butts in need of a dress.
1: Yeah, the figures may be naked or what have you yeah probably naked but not strong and they're just like little shadow figures Mm -hmm. and so I didn't even notice this until just now actually I just saw a a decoration and I didn't uh, put it together I did vaguely sense by the coloration and then by the dialogue we get later that it it relates to the snowflake because the ghost shows up and calls it God Mm And then says it's an unimaginably huge, an object with more than 100,000 different angles. And then um, Drummer says 196,833 maybe, which was the number of worlds that the snowflake computer, the quantum computer that was the snowflake, was flipping through in the first issue. So somehow perhaps this Ghost Avenger is linked to our mysterious snowflake right but we don't know we don't get any more answers than that
0: well it could just be that i mean he's there because this force is there allowing for some tap to the supernatural so we don't know
1: he he talks then he just talks about himself in a sense um about how his partner killed him not for any particular reason but because he didn't really like him and he says he was brought back for vengeance not just for me but for all of us and he also says to for the ask them to talk to his his beloved and tell her to make the most of life because there's nothing in the afterlife so even though he has an afterlife he's seen what the afterlife for everyone else is and it's just nothingness but something i guess what he's calling god which is this thing with hundred thousand different angles to it has is keeping him alive to just get vengeance all over all over hong kong not just against the people who did him wrong until another cop dies and takes his place and then i didn't i guess one of the bad guys or is it the the cop who killed him maybe shows (laughs) up and jakita actually takes action and kicks his car (laughs) kicks the motor out of his car actually which is the first actual action that anyone any one of our heroes has taken in the first three issues
0: yeah and he gets a whole whole page it's
1: a splash page but then uh then the guy is i think taken out by the ghost cop He said, never shot an unarmed man, never put bullets in a criminal's back. You people came looking for a mystery, but there is none, says the ghost. There's just us. And then uh, Drummer says, did he say justice? And Winter says, no, just us. And that's kind of the end of the story. And we're seeing a pattern now with three issues of every story you're getting part of a story. And then kind of a a walk off into the sunset kind of moment of one form or another. It's all kind of elusive. You know, you, you get a sense of a story, a sense of a mystery partially solved, but not fully solved in the individual issue, plus the more clues, but not really so far helpful clues in the larger mystery, or at least most of them are help, help, helpful right. seeming yet. And in in the end, we return to the um, cinematic uh, staging of the page. Too. Well, because it's our ghost story again, right? It's almost like our characters walked into the movie and got to talk with the characters before the uh, movie ended.
0: Mm-hmm. Anyway,
1: uh, this these two issues more than the first issue set a tone for me of these elusive, fascinating stories full of references that maybe I get maybe I don't get. That just makes me want to read more. And I just kind of love this story within story format. It's something that when done well, always kind of hooks me in.
0: Yeah, it's all. It's all good. And I don't know, I'm itching for the next.
1: (laughs) I think we should just continue with two stories. Um, So we'll do issues four and five next. All right and we'll see what those bring for us. Oh, an interesting thing in my uh, omnibus is at the beginning of each story before you see the cover. There's a pull quote from each story. So from the um, from the story about about the Gaiju island and and the cult leader. There's a quote that says these are our dreams Jun, they lay here sleeping, they offer us welcome within their very bodies. And then it says Ryu, which was the name of the cult leader. So um, there's multiple meanings there because I think maybe Warren Ellis, if he's the one who chose these pull cult quotes, is sort of telling us that these stories, these different stories that he's drawing on are the dreams of our culture. And they they offer us welcome. <laughs> you know, they draw us in. Now uh, Ryu literally wants to eat the body of the monsters um, before he gets killed in that story. And then the pullout for the, um, for the Hong Kong story is, after there's nothing, do you see? There's no sin, no hell for our bastards to burn in. No great punishment in the next life for killer the killers and rapists. Shek Chi Wei. So that, that's, I don't see specifically how that applies to the overarching thing. So it might just be an editor pulled those out cuz he thought they they made a cool way to space out the stories in the book. I assume your trade does not have that. It does not. But it had that movie poster instead.
0: Yeah, I'd rather have
1: the movie poster. <laughs> so yeah, the mysteries deepen. We're in, we're deep in the world of stories. This is for people who love stories, right? As opposed to people who love answers at the moment i mean hopefully we will get more some kinds of answers but i assume we won't get everything answered by the end
0: no but i i think there's just a lot of acceptance too yeah of you know we're in the story and so you just kind of have to run along with it and as long as you kind of have that instinct i think this clicks better than someone's who's going to be questioning you know like well how'd they become a ghost like you should just be able to kind of get there right
1: right yeah you're not going to get those kinds of answers but it's also you know it's not like you picking up an agatha christie Who Done It and you just read chapter after chapter as the clues build up so you can figure out who the murderer is or something right there's a letter at the back of issue three on the letters page someone named uh, denny dukes writes in and says i like planetary number one and think it's a very interesting series I just hope it's, on it, it's in its own universe, not sharing re- with the re- rest of the Wildstorm characters. It'll make the series that much stronger, I think. Looking forward to more, Denny Dukes. And they write back, sorry, Denny, but Planetary does indeed exist within the Wildstorm universe. But this doesn't mean we're going to bump into Caitlin Fairchild and Grifter every other issue. No, instead, we're going to show you how big the Wildstorm universe is. How much mystery and weirdness has gone on that you had no idea about i find i mean from what we've read so far i find that facetious i don't feel like yeah. it is exploring the wild storm universe
0: i don't think it is either because i don't think you could be talking about kaiju and all these gates or anything and not mention like the demonites or how the cities are actually personified or any of the other things right. like it doesn't have to be the actual main characters of the other series but there's certain aspects of that universe that are set up that affect all those other books the existence of the demonites affects everything in wild storm yeah. at some point N- not here so yeah. much and maybe are more play
1: yet. with the culture of our world yeah right i mean everything we're seeing so far anyway i mean i suppose after this someone writing in the Wildstorm world could then imagine that there is someone who looks like doc savage and bring in these characters ironically later on i haven't read them but they crossed over with the justice league and with batman i think after dc bought up wildstorm
0: i think some of that was before before
1: dc bought up wildstorm
0: yeah like there was a big batman issue and i think that was uh that was before the
1: before the purchase i think so oh maybe I mean, they love to team Batman up with with other popular series. I guess I mean it's in my trade here, but I don't know if it will um, say when the issue came out. There's the splash page or cover. I'm not sure which. Oh, mm-hmm. well, here's some Wildstorm characters. I'm just flipping, been flipping through the Omnibus and saw them. So maybe we will see something of the Wildstorm. Oh, there was a Planetary Authority crossover later on. Which was interesting, since you're pointing out the parallels between some of the characters.
0: If they had a de- designated crossover, that means they're having as much relation to the authority as they do to Batman.
1: Right, right. That's a good point. Let me see if the table of contents gives the. Uh... Oh no, the table. Of... Is there a table of contents? There is no table of contents, so there's nothing to give, like the dates when things came out. Yeah, there. W- so there was a planetary Batman. A planetary GLA and a planetary authority. Anyway, as far as I can tell from what we're reading so far, we don't really need to worry about this wild storm universe.
0: We'll just tarry on and see what it brings yeah. us.
1: Yeah, so hopefully we'll return from the dead pretty soon this time to talk about those next two issues. Should be good.